Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung. And my name is Los. How are y'all doing? We are entering the second week, the semifinals week of the playoffs. Hopefully you won your wildcard matchups or even better, hopefully at a first round bye. And now you're finally starting to pay attention to some playoff football. Best time of the year, isn't it, Monk? It is. Uh, we'll see how good it is, depending on how the game tonight goes. I need uh, I need the Browns defense to, you know, have a relatively quiet night for Lamar Jackson and uh, Mark Andrews. They can do well as long as they don't, you know, explode for 50 points each. Yeah, shout out to our league. I'm sort of hoping that Lamar Jackson gets a little limited because uh, the team that has him, that's Kevin, is, is a very scary team. Not, actually, every team in the playoffs is very scary, but but I'm a little more scared by uh, by Kevin's than, uh, than McCarthy's right now. I don't know about you. I have no preference on that because, you know, I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. We have a lot of good teams in our league, that's so I, I have... I'm just going to let what happens happen. Yeah. A lot of, a uh, lot of great work. Well done. Uh, commendable, very good teams. Uh, very scary. Uh, even despite the, despite the first round by. <laughs> yeah. One team with, uh, Derek Henry, Jonathan oh Taylor God. and David Montgomery. Oh so they're heating God. up at the right time. Oh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. I don't want to see any part of it, <laughs> but we'll leave um, that one for you. Well, we'll see, but hopefully, you know, all you guys are doing well. Hopefully if you are in the playoffs, you either had that first round by, or you're in good position to win either already taken care of yesterday or tonight you'll get uh, what you need. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of, you know, lesser known names. The waiver wire, to be honest, is pretty barren at this point, but you have a lot of value here in those players who don't have much name value and uh you know there are some injuries that you can't take advantage of yeah sometimes it's uh, time to dig deep dig for those names that nobody else is looking for bring them onto your team and let them thrive yep and uh if you guys like making prop bets thrive fantasy is perfect for you they offer dfs style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and you compete against other players on how many you get right each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under. And the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money with over $12,000 guaranteed for the Sunday contest every week. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account, you're going to receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account with a minimum $20 deposit. Check it out today on the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. The fantasy season doesn't end just because your uh, your regular season did. So so keep on paying attention, keep playing, keep winning. Yep, and uh, kicking off the week 15 previews is going to be the Thursday night game, the LA Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, these guys are smash starts. But if you're desperate, Kalen Balazs is getting some short yardage work, could vulture a touchdown against this Raiders defense that's top five in fantasy points allowed to running backs. 
And then Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton are both interesting. If Mike Williams is unable to go with that back injury, uh, he missed most of that game against the Falcons. And as a result, Tyron Johnson saw a season high 74% of the snaps on offense. He could see significant target share this week against the struggling Raiders secondary. That's allowed six touchdowns to wide receivers over their last three weeks. Yeah, uh, talk talk about starting off with a bang with names that nobody had on the radar that can instantly make a uh, make a fantasy uh, dent. This is your Brashad Perriman moment. This is this is your guy this year. I'm calling it, especially with a semifinals matchup against the Raiders. So good call there, Monk. Yep. And on the Raiders side here, uh, Josh Jacobs looked okay. It was a tough matchup against the Colts, but he should be closer to 100% from that ankle injury. Gets another few days of rest here. Should be back to RB1 status against the Chargers defense. That's also top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. So love Eckler and Jacobs on the other side here. Uh, Carr should be an okay streamer as well. And if you need that boomer bust wide receiver four in deeper leagues, if you have no better options, Nelson Aguilar continues to be that better option over rugs has a safer floor and high ceiling every week. So this is actually the exact question I was going to hope to pose you at the start, because I have this situation. I had Mike Williams, unfortunately uh, going for me in one of the leagues. Do I replace him with the readily available Nelson Aguilar or do I go after Tyron Johnson? You know, that is a good question. (laughs) Um, And I, I think You know, we haven't seen much from Tyron Johnson, but he plays Atlanta this week and then he gets Denver in week 16 and Denver, Denver lost their top four cornerbacks to injury and suspension. So I I would go with Johnson. I think you're right. The the thing that scared me, the thing that really just confused the crap out of me is sure. Mike Williams came out of the game and Johnson did great in his absence, but Williams wasn't going to get that target share that Johnson got. And it just really threw me for a loop. Yeah, and I mean, really looking at the matchups on the other side, Aguilar has a decent matchup against the Chargers, but then he gets Miami, who just gave Kansas City trouble. So I would definitely lean Tyron Johnson, I think. Yeah, I think we're starting off the week with a uh, pretty tough choice in the matchup here. You've got me leaning uh, on the home team um, just against the Chargers, uh, figuring out a way to bungle themselves out of a win. So so I I think I'm leaning Raiders here, but, but I don't like it. I'm not convinced. Yeah, I think the Chargers are better fantasy plays on offense, yeah, but you know definitely. that special teams or some punt return mishap or, I don't know, a blocked field goal attempt is going to give that Raiders that random ending uh, for late fourth quarter comeback of some kind. Yep. Speaking of random, it's the semis week, and we've got Saturday football. What's that all about? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm excited because, you know, in quarantine right now, there's just not a whole lot to do with bars, movie theaters all closed. So I'm, I'm excited for some Saturday football here. Uh, the first game is going to be mid-afternoon. So make sure you guys get your lineup set early this week. Uh, 3.30 p.m. Central, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. We've got the Buffalo Bills at the Denver Broncos. You know, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, fire him up. And then Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis. You know, I just mentioned that Denver's missing their top four cornerbacks. Fire them both up as wide receiver threes with upside. Yep, it's uh, Beasley over Davis for me, but these this team is absolutely cooking. I mean, the team, as long as you, you're not a running back, th- those guys, I guess, I avoid. And, well, I guess Dawson Knox, I, I guess I wouldn't say that I'd start him either. But, but the receivers and quarterback, they're certainly cooking. Yeah, if you're desperate, Singletary or Moss. Singletary right now, I, yep. and I didn't think I'd say that. 
Yep, but hopefully not either if you're in the yep. playoffs. Yep. Uh, on the Broncos side here, Tim Patrick uh, has been Drew Locke's favorite target, although he is a little bit of a riskier start here depending on whether Tredavious White is going to shadow anybody. But in general, you know, kudos to Drew Locke. He had a great game against Carolina. I, I do like Locke long-term, but this week I want very little to do with any Broncos player outside of maybe Noah Fant. Sounds like he left that game against Carolina with a non-COVID illness, maybe a little 24-hour flu bug spreading through that locker room because Garrett Bowles was unable to play in that game too. But the Bills are top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. And other than that, maybe KJ Hamler could be worth a desperation wide receiver five. We do know that Buffalo is vulnerable against those slot receivers. See, to me, it is still Tim Patrick if I'm picking one of the wide receivers, but a little bit, well, not deeper, shallower, actually. Um, regarding the running backs, if Gordon were to miss some time here, which he does have like a pending possible legal issue to come, if he were to miss some time, I would throw Philip Lindsay in there pretty confidently. Uh, I believe I saw a report earlier today that his court date is not until January, oh, so I think okay. he's good. Okay, but, well, there but we worth go. mentioning. Yep. Okay, just just keep an eye on it. Know that there are things out there in the non-football world that do affect things, um, but uh, maybe not this week. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't even bother putting Josh Gordon on the waiver ads list, but, you know, if you're in a deep enough league where he's worth considering, I, I guess throw him up there, but you'd have to be in, like, a 16, 20-team league, a lot of flex spots. Yeah, you'd be in a bad way to start a guy who's not on the field in, in your semifinals, that's for sure. Yep. I think this is one of the easier matchups of the week. Uh, Buffalo taking Buffalo. Absolutely. All righty. And then it's time for Saturday night football. How 7 exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. 7, 15 PM central, 8, 15 PM Eastern. Again, remember to set those lineups. You've got activities on Saturday, Carolina at green Bay. It will be the game. We're going to see if Christian McCaffrey can possibly come back. He did suffer that quad injury in practice last week, but it sounds like they're optimistic that he could practice early this week. Obviously a must start if he's playing, if not Mike Davis, again, uh, running back two with upside. We saw that two touchdown day against the Broncos. And then of course the Packers run defense, they don't scare anybody. They're top three in fantasy points allowed to running backs, including a touchdown to swift just this past week. And then DJ Moore still on the COVID list. So if he were out again, then Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel, both solid plays. Both of them very, very strong plays. All we can do is uh, pray and cross our fingers to finally see Christian McCaffrey back on the field. I cannot think of a first round in recent memory that's just been as bad as this year. Between him, Zeke, Saquon, Michael Thomas, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, just a lot, a lot of disappointment. Even Kamara, I mean, playing well, but not certainly not giving you what you paid for. Yeah, Devontae Adam missed miss yep. some time uh, early in the year. I, I think... I don't think it'd be crazy if you're taking Travis Kelsey next year ahead of the wide receivers. He's basically a wide receiver one uh, that you can plug in at tight end. It's not just basically. I think he's leading the league in uh, receiving yards right now, isn't he? He certainly is. Yep. So and there then, you go. Uh, not only is he like a wide receiver one, they should pay him like one too. No, that'll disintegrate the team, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, and don't forget about George Kittle either. Certainly. Oh, he just cashed in for, for quite a, quite a hefty chunk of change. So, so, uh, yeah, but I'm saying with well. the, uh, with the injury discount, you might be able to get him in oh. that mid second next year in redraft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you're way on board there. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed in taking Kelsey or Kittle. 
All right. I don't even know how we got on that, but uh, we'll, we'll get back on topic here. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. On the other side, Green Bay, not, not a whole lot to say, right? Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones, you're starting Devontae Adams, of course. Mm-hmm. And then Robert Tunyon, that mid-range tight end one, he's got a good matchup with the Panthers, top 10 and fantasy he's points allowed. Yep. And then it's hard to trust Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard right now. Both mm-hmm. of these guys just... You know, uh, one of them could get a long touchdown, but just boomer bust wide receiver four territory. Yeah, absolutely right. Lazard, it's for me. For me, it's Lazard over Scantling. Um, but just as an upside flex, Tunyon, Scantling, heck, even Aaron Jones could take away all his uh, receiving volume at any instant. Yeah, I, I would start Tunyon at flex over either uh, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, or Lazard. I would too. I think. You know, I think we may have at least a couple listeners who might have a situation like this. Lazard, Aguilar, or Tyron Johnson. Uh, I'm going with Justin Herbert. It's Johnson for me still. Yeah, it's, it is for me too. Hopefully, uh, hopefully people uh, in my, in, well, I guess it's a selfish question. It's for me. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I, nobody in the league uh, knows who to look for. I, I do think it's Johnson because it seems like he has potentially the most uh, significant target share heading into this week. Yep. I, I agree right there too. As much as I hate to say it, I do think that Aaron Rodgers is probably in the lead for the MVP race right here. Give me Green Bay. Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay. All right, moving on to the Sunday games, of course. The first slate starting at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. We've got Tampa Bay at Atlanta. It was a surprisingly quiet day for these Buccaneers wide receivers, uh, despite all these issues that the Vikings have at cornerback. But I still like Evans, Godwin, and Brown to bounce back this week against this Falcons secondary. And, of course, Brady is a top-five option at quarterback. But, close, the big issue here is Ronald Jones because – he had a great game. It sounds like Bruce Arians is finally considering giving him a very big workload. And then now we hear he has a fractured pinky finger. Of course, you know, it's not a huge issue. We've seen players play through these types of injuries. He could get a, a splint here, but the downside is that the bucks could limit his touches and Jones could be at higher risk of fumbling or more issues catching the ball. We know he's struggled with some drops earlier this year. So such a strong start coming out of the bye, but now I think he's, what, back in that risky flex territory? I don't think so. To me, he's still an RB2 with upside. I don't actually think that uh, the, the pinky injury or pinky issue, whatever you want to call it, moves in the needle one bit. He's always been a fumbling risk. He's always dropped the football. So I don't think it's really going to make that significant of a change, to be honest. I know that's that probably sounds stupid, but you know, it's not like we were taking this tremendous ability that he had and, and taking it away from him. We're talking about something. Eh, he's okay at carrying it. He's okay at catching it. And now it's a little bit worse. So I, I really don't see it uh, changing things way too much. Are we going to see Leonard Fournette at least active? Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just don't see how you can do that. It can be it, if somebody hits that thing, which it is going to be a target, he can start to have a pain issue. You're going to need another running back in there to, to, uh, to take a bit of the load. But I'm not worried. Not against Atlanta, even though Atlanta is pretty good against the run. But I think that's a little deceiving just because they're so bad against the pass. But I mean, at the same time, you would think if your running backs hurt, Brady's just going to throw more. I mean, if you want to make a bet, I would say Jones outside the top 24 running backs this week. No, I'm not going to make a bet on that. Um, 24 is a pretty, 
exceptional line. I, I do think he's going to finish top 20, but but I don't think it's worth it to make a bet on that just because, I mean, I, I'm not in his hand and I'm not in his head. Who knows how, uh, who knows, Ronald Jones could be a real softy and take himself out of this game. Fair enough. Just a quick update for our listeners. Uh, we did go one and one on our bets last week. You had Logan Thomas over Zach Ertz and I had Jared Goff over Cam Newton. There we go. And uh, we're right on that cusp. I think Gronk's at six touchdowns and we set the bet five. at six and a half. He's at five. five? Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't well, worry. I've been counting them. All right. Well, he'll be at six after this week. How's that? He might. He certainly might. Yep. Yeah. Line six and a half. Against that uh, that Falcons defense. Regardless, set. my point still holds. He he should not have been drafted. He should have been picked up by you in week six after everybody gave up on him. Fair enough. You're not wrong. But uh, on the other side here, a big question. We'll see if Julio Jones is back from that hamstring injury. Yeah. I mean, if he's active, you're starting him and Ridley. And if he's not, you're still starting Ridley. Although just worth noting that it could be a tougher matchup for one or both of them. If cornerback Jamel Dean for the Bucks is finally back from that concussion, the secondary struggled without him and they were much better with Dean in the lineup here. As for the running backs and Hurst, I would not trust any of them. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm going to take it a step further. If Julio does not play, I, I would not put Todd Gurley in this week. I don't think I would put Todd Gurley in regardless of yeah. Julio. Unfortunately, I don't know how many options people are probably going to have, but um, yeah, if you can avoid him, certainly do not start him here. Well, there are some options uh, that we'll talk about on the waiver wire section that I would certainly start over Gurley. Then there you go. We got some um, answers. I think I think for me, replace Gurley with Matt Ryan. If Julio's playing, I would still consider Ryan. If Julio's out, yeah. no way. Yeah, totally. All well, right. Although, again, I I don't know if something was in the air. Right? Maybe we should talk about this Tampa Bay game a little more. I don't know if something was in the air, what was going on. Tampa's corners were down. This game was a prime matchup to see the Tampa Bay uh, wide receivers and Thielen and Jefferson go off and absolutely nobody did absolutely anything. So I don't know. If, I mean, this happens in the NFL. Sometimes it's just one of those days. The matchups don't, that's why they play the games on the field and not on paper, but nobody produced in the air. And I certainly expect them to return to form this week. Yeah. And again, uh, like I said, Jamel Dean's status is going to play a big factor too, I think in this matchup. So we'll see if he's back. Uh, but all that being said, I would lean Tampa Bay here. Yeah. I'm going to take Tampa Bay here. I don't think Atlanta's going to keep it close. All right. Next game up San Francisco at Dallas here, Debo Samuel. It sounds like he's going to be out multiple weeks with this new hamstring injury. And that means Brandon Ayuk could be a league winner. I mean, he saw close to 20 targets in that game. Uh, Kendrick Bourne's worth a look as the number two wide receiver, depending on how, uh, how desperate you are. But you know, I know you're going to ask it's still Tyron Johnson for me. Yep. It is. (laughs) Um, And on the ground, uh, both Mostert and Wilson are splitting carries, but I think both are RB3s with upside against this Cowboys defense that is the absolute worst in the league at stopping the run. I think you're right. Uh, There's three main plays here. You touched on all of them. Mostert, Wilson Jr., and Ayuk. Yeah, we're going to talk about all three in the waiver wire section because a lot of these guys are rostered in much fewer leagues than you would think. Yep, and we've been talking about them all year long, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, Ayuk in particular isn't even close to 100%, so he could win some leagues for people here. Totally crazy. Um, On the ground here uh, for Dallas, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Elliott. We saw both McKissick and Peyton Barber struggle. I would fade him just as an RB3 or flex. In fact, I would probably start Mostert or Wilson over Elliott this week. 
I'd have to think about that, but it could be. Yeah. Zeke saw the ball just one more time than Tony Pollard this week. Now, was that because Dallas was so far ahead of Cincinnati? I actually don't think so. These these carries didn't all come late in the game. They came early and in the middle and at the end. That really worries me worries me about Zeke Elliott this year and for his dynasty prospects in the future. Um, I don't know why that's happening. I think Zeke is still clue, clearly the better back, but what can you do? I'm not Mike McCarthy. Yeah, right before the uh, the week fourteen game started, I traded uh, Elliott for Evans, a second, and Wayne Gallman for a playoff run. Whew, very, very nice. Let me—I don't know if that's coming through, but that's there's an applause right there. Thank you. I, I honestly don't think there's much difference between Gallman and Elliott, and I might even prefer Gallman right now. I would prefer Gallman right now. I absolutely would. Yeah. And uh, of course, a wide receiver, you're start, you're still starting Cooper as a wide receiver too, but hard to trust. Any of the others, I know we talked about Schultz as a streaming option last week against the Bengals, but certainly don't like him uh, this week against the Niners. No, I agree. Lamb feels way too risky for me here, too. This, uh, oh, you know what? Real quick, uh, before we move on to the pick here, it is worth noting that Kyle Shanahan did not commit to Nick Mullins as the starter here. Um, so just uh, hmm. something something to look at. Jimmy G? No, it sounds like Garoppolo is going to be out for the regular season. Um, okay. So if anything, maybe C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard. All right. Well, he can't connect with George Kittle like in college, unfortunately. But he uh, he also he also throws to the tight end uh, a lot anyways. Yep. I put uh, both Jordan Reed and Ross Dwelly on the waiver section if you're desperate. So we'll Perfect. see. Uh, uh, with all that being said, this game could go either way. Uh, I'm going to lean San Francisco. Um, it, yeah, it could go either way, but I, I think San Fran wins by at least four points. Yeah. For me, it just comes down to, I think Shanahan's just going to run it down their throats. We're going to see yeah. very little of whoever the quarterback is. Yep. Yeah. 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 Good point. All right. The next game, Detroit at Tennessee, another QB situation in flux. It sounds like Matthew Stafford could miss this game with bruised ribs. Uh, and if he's out, I actually don't mind Chase Daniel as a streamer, uh, depending on your options. Is that crazy, Los? Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. I'm just saying, you know, last year when he was on the Bears and he filled in, he, he had 15 points and 20 points, I think in his two fantasy starts and uh, you know, Tennessee has given up, you know, their top five in fantasy points a lot to opposing quarterbacks this year. I mean, I think it really hinges on if Galladay is in this game or not. If Galladay is, I think there's a shot if he's not, which I don't think I'm expecting him to be. Uh, no, then, then I couldn't do that. All right. Fair enough. I think uh, Galladay will probably miss unless we hear some good news, but even with Chase Daniel, you're starting Swift and Hawkinson. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, I, I think the new coaching staff is trying to get Swift more opportunities. It's still a little bit of a mess in the backfield. Carry on got that late goal line carry, which I think is worrying people a lot more than it ought to be. I mean, when you have three decent backs, they're going to get a decent amount of work each. Uh, Swift pretty much dominated the amount of carries, uh, despite all three seeing the ball. So I think we're just going to see a little more Swift from here on out. Yeah, It's I, not going to be a Cam Akers situation, but it's it's more than you bargained for. And uh, just worth noting too, Adrian Peterson did get the first crack of the goal line and got stuffed at like the one. But uh, so I would still take, if you're desperate, you know, I would still take Peterson over carry on. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, on the other side here, it is Derrick Henry season. We've reached December. The weather's getting cold and Derrick Henry's getting hot. So 
you know, you're firing him up. Of course, AJ Brown should do plenty well here too. Corey Davis is a bit of a concern. I think he is more of a boom or bust flex at this point because we're seeing that his target share isn't quite as reliable as Johnny Smith back healthy. And then, of course, that renewed emphasis on the run game uh, with Derrick Henry. I agree. There's, you can take a shot with Corey Davis, but there's not going to be a reason for them to have to utilize him. You know, I've got to ask Tyron Johnson or Corey Davis. I, I think most of the ones you're going to ask me about is going to be Tyron Johnson. Yeah, that 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 Chargers offense is just going to have to keep producing. And I think Tennessee, I, they may run the football 40 times here. Yeah, and it's risky because we could see some Jalen Guyton. He is the deep threat, but it does seem like Tyron Johnson's getting targeted in that short and intermediate area, too. So I, I do like him. He's not as boom or bust as uh, we might consider. Yeah. All right. Uh, I said I picked Tennessee, right? Uh, I don't think we did, but uh, oh. I will take Tennessee as well. <laughs> um, oh, and real quick, I mean, I guess John o. Smith's okay. He's in that t- touchdown dependent tight end two range, right? See, I'm not right. Oh, t- sure. Touchdown dependent tight end two. Yeah. But I'm not excited to start him in, uh, in as you proclaimed it, Derrick Henry season. Uh, I think right. all that short stuff, I, I, I don't see Detroit doing anything to stop uh, Derrick Henry from fully having his way with them. Yes, sir. All right. The next game up here, Houston at Indianapolis. We saw, surprisingly, Chan Hansen led the team in targets with Brandon <laughs> Cooks out, not Kiki QT, uh, although QT did get the touchdown. Both of these wide receivers, I guess they're in play as flex options if Brandon Cooks is out again with that next strain. But uh, it's a tougher matchup here against the Colts. We saw Kuti have a 100-yard day against the Colts two weeks ago. But, you know, 50 yards of that or so was with a wide open, just blown coverage. I would not expect that again. Uh, I think I prefer QT if Cooks is playing. But I prefer Hanson if Cooks is out. Oh, uh, I cannot say I agree with that with Indianapolis certainly being a bit stingier. Um, the reason QT got those is because he is that underneath man, that, that slot man. Um, and we saw more of that this week. Um, that's why, uh, we saw Hanson get some more looks. He filled in more of that outside Brandon Cook's role, which certainly Deshaun Watson does like to throw to, but he just doesn't have the talent. I don't think to keep up against the Indianapolis defense. And I, I would not start uh, him here. Fair enough. I don't think either is a great option regardless. No. On the other side here, we're seeing that resurgence continue for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Wide receiver three with upside here. Yeah. Wide receiver two with upside. Okay. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, RB1. We can make it. We can make a, we can make an Indianapolis bet if you want. I'll make it T.Y. Hilton bet. No, that's fine. I have him as a wide receiver three just because I, I still think the floor is risky, but I could see him out you know, producing maybe even as a wide receiver one. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor could be wide receiver, uh, could be running back one on the week. Not saying he is, but he, he certainly has a good a chance as any running back this week. I think he's a top 10 option. Oh, certainly, certainly top 10. But I mean, yep. he could be number one overall after what we saw Houston allowed at David Montgomery of all people. Yep. And then let's not forget about Philip Rivers, who continues to be underrated here. Uh, yep. Since week 10, what would you guess his ranking is in terms of fantasy at quarterback? 10. Yes, you're correct. You're right Whoa, on the dot there. Hey, all right. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Um, I lied. Um, I was looking at something else. He's actually number five Whoa, since week 10. Look at that. Philip so, Rivers, come on, making it happen. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody likes him. His name is mud, but he's, he's been the top five guy still available in a lot of leagues. He's the top streaming option. 
Jeez, a lot of bad tastes in people's mouths, I think, from last season. Um, you got to move forward. It's fantasy. Yep, and with that said, I'm going to take the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts pretty handily here as well. All right, so, although I do think it could be closer if Cooks is back. We'll Divisional see. games certainly could be. Yep. All right, so the next game up, another divisional matchup here in New England at Miami, and it's hard to trust any Patriots option versus this Dolphins defense that just gave Patrick Mahomes and company a bit of trouble. Uh, the best options here, I think, are actually Damian Harris and Sony Michelle. If you're really, really desperate for running back help, I expect Belichick to want no part of facing that secondary. I think they're going to want to run as much as possible because Miami is a little bit worse at stopping the run than the pass. Yeah, I'm going to let our resident uh, Patriots apologist and fan uh, dive in on those. I am not putting anybody with New England in their name in my lineup this week. Nope, I agree with that. But like I said, if you're truly desperate, I think the best options are Harris and Michelle. Sure. All right, so let's move on to the Dolphins then. Sadly, it sounds like Miles Gaskin's going to be out for at least one more week on the COVID Oof. list. Um, if Breda is out as well, DeAndre Washington's probably going to get another start here. He saw most of the touches against the Chiefs, but even so, just a low on flex. We saw Cam Akers gash this Patriots defense, but this Miami run run attack and DeAndre Washington is certainly no Cam Akers. We'll put it that way. Yeah, certainly right. And you use the right word. Most, not all. Whereas with Gaskin, we saw him get all the work. With Salvin Ahmed, we saw him get all the work. A split up workload in the run in the uh, Miami backfield, even if it's the majority, is not something I want in my lineup in the semifinals. Yep. And I think the more intriguing guy that we should talk about here is Lynn Bowden Jr. Because if you're desperate, I mean, he plays running back and wide receiver. He's eligible in either spot on both ESPN and Yahoo. So, you know, he saw a ton of targets with Jakeem Grant probably out with a hamstring injury. We saw Devontae Parker uh, miss the second half of that Chiefs game with uh, a leg injury. We don't know what exactly yet. If both of those guys are out, Bowden could be a lot, could see a lot of targets. Certainly an interesting call. Could be a league winner in AFC East only leagues. Well, I mean, if you're super, super de desperate, <laughs> Mac Collins is a wide receiver five. I mean, you know, just for targets, you know, we need people that get opportunities on the field. Ball's got to go somewhere. Exactly. Yep. And uh, it's pretty crazy how far we've come in just one short year. You know, this time last year, it would have been New England. Uh, and even then they disappointed. I think they went one and one against the Dolphins last year. Yep. I, I'd say Miami is a clear favorite in this game. I agree with that. And I am actually curious. I'm looking right now. Miami is favored right now. And I will take Miami. I will say, though, I would not bet on that game just because right. we've seen Belichick come up with defensive schemes to confuse rookie quarterbacks like Justin Herbert, who they yep. blew out 45 to nothing. But, you know, I am going to lean Miami just because I don't see the Patriots doing much on offense either. No, uh, the, Miami is not a team that's showing that uh, they, they will choke away games the way that the Chargers seem to have just in, entwined in their DNA. Yeah, and I actually think once they get things up and running, once they bolster that offensive line, get a few more weapons, I think they're the team to beat in the AFC East eventually, not the Bills. Really? Well, there's a hot take. I don't know if I'm going to agree with that, um, but uh, but it'll be interesting to see in the coming years. Yeah, not this year, of course, but maybe 2021 or 2022. We'll see. Yep. All right, next game up, another divisional game, Chicago at Minnesota. Of course, Montgomery, you're starting as a wide, running back two, excuse me, uh, Allen Robinson, wide receiver one. And then 
worth mentioning Cole Komet is seeing a lot more work. He played a season high 85% of the offensive snaps against the Texans. And even though Jimmy Graham scored the touchdown against Houston, Komet was actually second on the team in targets behind only Allen Robinson and saw a 21% target share. So he's worth a look if you're streaming tight ends. You, you stole all my analysis. What, what else is there to add? You got me. All right. Um, well, how about this one? I'll pose you a quick question since you didn't get to talk about the Bears here. Perfect. <laughs> um, if Julio I didn't get Jones, to relish the victory. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we'll talk about that real quick. It was a dominant victory, of course. Houston down, Brandon Cooks, but still, it was uh, it was kind of a statement win against you know, instead of instead of the narrative being this week, oh, what would have happened if they drafted Deshaun Watson? Now it's oh, what would what would have happened if Houston had drafted Mitch Trubisky? Exactly. I mean, Mitch took out took out Houston. He he was playing like a superstar. I think he's a locked in quarterback one the rest of the year. No joking. Please don't, uh, don't, don't, don't clip that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to ask you. If Julio Jones plays, would you rather start Matt Ryan or Mitch Trubisky? If Julio Jones plays, I would rather start Matt Ryan. And if Julio is out, you know, I would take Mitch. I really would. How about you? You like to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Uh, I'd rather not, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm on board with what you what we with what you had there. <laughs> All right, uh, on the Minnesota side, of course, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. You're probably starting those guys. If you're desperate, Kirk Cousins is worth a look too. He had a decent game against Chicago uh, a couple weeks back. And if Kyle Rudolph's out again with that foot injury, Irv Smith's a little bit interesting. Chicago does allow a lot of tie-in points. Completely agree. I think Irv Smith is the money play here that uh, people aren't thinking of just yet. All right. So Minnesota's at home. This is close enough that I'm going to go with the home team. Yeah. Despite the matchup, I think uh, Delvin Cook turns out a pretty solid day here. Two touchdowns. Yeah. And, you know, it's been a weird up and down season for the Vikings, but their defense is starting to get a little hot. Yep, they certainly are. They're starting to have a little Seahawks in them. All right. Speaking of the Seahawks, the next game up, Seattle at Washington. Of course, we know that Washington's defense is tough, and we did see Seattle struggle against the Giants a few weeks ago. But, you know, it's hard to bench Wilson or Metcalf. Don't get crazy here. Um, Although, I will say for Tyler Lockett, it depends on your other options. I mean, he's a little risky, yeah? I don't think he has the risk this week as, as he's shown us actually the other weeks. I think if anything, that D line from, uh, from Washington gets after Russell a little quicker and we see Russell use Lockett a little more than we've seen the prior week. So I, I'm actually pretty optimistic about him here. Glad to hear we're on the same page because I was also thinking that if James Bradbury were to consider shadowing DK Metcalf, I don't think that Metcalf would be that limited, but it no. could still open the door for more targets to Lockett. There we go. Yeah, but that said, you know, Wilson seems to be pretty content spreading that ball around. He threw touchdowns to Swaim and uh, Disley, and then he had some long completions to Moore. So I think Lockett's still in that boomer bust wide receiver three range. Yeah, I guess you could call it that. I guess you could because it it, it certainly is boomer bust. You've got that right. Now, calling him a wide receiver three feels a little disrespectful, but I guess I'll do it. Sure. Lockett, you're a wide receiver three. Sure. But I mean, he's had what four games under 10 PPR points this year. Uh, you know, he's had some, he's had some quiet games. 
It's certainly true, and the the Seahawks defense has uh, has uh, taken the load off of the offense, and the offense is running the ball a little more and not uh, playing with quite the fury and spark that we saw earlier in the season. Yeah, and some of that's going to depend on who's at quarterback on the other side because yep. Alex Smith did have a calf strain. Um, that said, he left the game late when Washington was up, I believe, multiple scores at that point. So we don't know how serious this is. It sounds like it was a precautionary thing taking him out. Um, if Smith plays, that would make McKissick a, a little bit better of a start. As for McLaurin, he's had a couple down games in back-to-back weeks here. What are you doing with him? I think he's going to be okay here, honestly. Uh, against Seattle, I know Seattle's defense is clamping down into things, but if Washington wants to maintain their lead in the uh, NFC East, they're going to put up points, and the way they do that on this team is by using Terry McLaurin. This is the guy that the offense is going to flow through. If uh, if we do not see Alex Smith, I would not start uh, J.D. McKissick here, but, uh, but Dwayne Haskins does not seem to use the running back in the way that uh, this offense is designed to. Um, so that's, uh, that's my input there. I think Logan Thomas is about, uh, as solid as a back end tight end as we're getting right now though. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, that volume driven tight end one. Uh, I do think that he's pretty safe, whether it's Smith or Haskins. I agree with your point about McKissick here. And, you know, before you ask, it wouldn't shock me if Tyron Johnson outscored McLaurin, but there's no way I'm benching McLaurin for him. No, no, no way. All right. Um, you know, this could be a, a pretty ugly game, but I'm still going to lean Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to take Seattle. Russell Wilson's got the speed about him to, to get away from this defensive line, uh, grab a few chunk yards on the ground, and uh, have a very nice uh, fantasy day for you here. I will say, though, it would not shock me if Washington won this game. No, certainly not. Uh, we, we've seen uh, Seattle put out some stinkers, and we've seen uh, Washington pull out some uh, some nice games. So, no, yeah. that's the NFL. Yeah. I think the Giants and the Washington defense are bringing a little bit of dignity back to that NFC East. As much as they certainly can try to. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Jacksonville at Baltimore is the next game up here. We're getting Gardner Minshew, Minshew Magic back. (laughs) Is that what we're calling it still? Uh, Yeah, I mean, for fantasy at least. I mean, even if they're losing games, Minshew's a much better starter for all these Jacksonville wide receivers. I like DJ Shark a lot more as a wide receiver three here. I think Cole and Chenault are both interesting wide receiver four plays because even though on paper Baltimore is a tough secondary, it's going to be a bad matchup. But I'm seeing that if the Ravens get up multiple scores by the third or fourth quarter, there could be a lot of garbage time PPR to go around. Yeah, well, if Minshew Magic is back, then then he better let DJ Chark out of his hat. That's uh, that's all I have to say because he didn't do a darn thing for me last week. Yeah, I mean, I I would be a lot more optimistic here for Shark. So you know, I, I, you know what question's coming? I think. Oh man, I, I think it's Shark with Minshew back. I hate you. <laughs> that was spiteful. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going mean, to start DJ Chark when he's had all of one and a half good weeks for me so far. <sighs> I guess I just should consider myself blessed to be in the semifinals, roll them out there and eat my Wheaties. Hey, I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's your team. So you gotta, you gotta make that call, right? Yeah. It all depends on what's available in the way. How about Aguilar or Chark? Are you going to say Chark because you said Chark regardless? But well, that's, I mean, uh, that's an I opportunity like, I could have. I could move on from Williams and Shark and put in uh, Johnson and Aguilar. I like. I would go with Shark and Johnson. Okay, that, that would be my picks because I would say 
Shark slightly over Johnson and Johnson slightly over Aguilar. Okay. All right. We'll take it. Yeah. All right. Um, for the Baltimore side here, we'll see if anything changes tonight. Uh, they're struggling right now against this Browns defense. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson has that rushing touchdown, but just four passing yards, certainly not what you want to see if you're a Lamar Jackson on your roster. And then, you know, we'll see about the running back usage here. Still a messy committee so far. One carry for Ingram, two for Dobbins and one for Edwards. So just hard to rely on any of these guys. That said, there is some upside here. If you're desperate against this Jaguars defense, that's top yeah. five in fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. They just gave up over 200 yards and two touchdowns to Derrick Henry. Of course, this is going to get divvied up between the three of them. But again, if we're playing that game where we're projecting the Baltimore Ravens to be up a lot in the second half, all three could get double digit carries. And that's the exact issue. You don't want to play any of them right now, but each one of them is probably going to have a 10-point day. Yeah, but, you know, again, depending on your options, this is the one week where I'd consider flexing them. Yep, certainly uh, certainly will consider it. All right, so unless uh, something real bad, uh, knock on wood, hopefully does not happen to Lamar Jackson here, I'm taking Baltimore. I'm taking Baltimore. All right. That moves on to the Sunday afternoon games. We've got the New York Jets at the Los Angeles Rams. On the Jets side here, I have nothing to say. Anything before we move on to the Rams? Not starting anyone in this matchup, nope. Nope. If you're desperate, maybe Jameson Crowder is a wide receiver for, but certainly don't love anybody. Uh, on the Rams side here, Cam Akers seems to have solidified his role as a top dog in this backfield. Makes him a high-end RB2 here. And Woods and Cup were both pretty quiet against that New England defense, but they're great starts against this awful Jets secondary. Yeah, uh, you've you've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I was doubtful on Acres, but he's gotten the full reins over the past two weeks in a row, um, both with the game close and when the game was sealed. So I have no reason to expect otherwise here. Thirty-one touches for uh, for Cam Acres here, compared to just two for Henderson and zero for Brown. So yeah, roll him out there. He could be a uh, league winner. Yeah, and worth noting too that he got that receiving work as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Real quick here, Jared Goff or Matt Ryan? Jared Goff. Yep. I think the only concern is if it's, uh, you know, like Mitch Trubisky a couple weeks ago where David, yeah. Mon- or excuse me, David Montgomery got two touchdowns and um, right. Cordero Patterson got one and then he just threw for one. But I would still go with Goff over Ryan here. Uh, give me the Rams. And, yep. And you didn't ask, but I would take Goff over Trubisky as well. I'll take the Rams. Mm, yes, I would agree with that. All right, moving on here, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals. Fly, Eagles, fly. This offense is revitalized by Jalen Hurts, and he looks to be a pretty decent streaming option at quarterback given that rushing production over 100 yards on the ground against the Saints. Miles Sanders back to that low-end RB2 status with the Eagles scoring points again, but it's still hard to trust any of these wide receivers or tight ends with Hurts spreading the ball around against the Saints. Goddard's probably the best play, but there really wasn't any clear target leader. Totally agree. It was really nice to see Miles Sanders see the majority of the backfield without seeding anything to the other running backs. Jordan Howard didn't see the field, uh, and nobody else really saw the ball that I can remember um, seeing. So, so Miles Sanders is back in the driver's seat here against an, a defense that is not going to be able to stop him very well, uh, especially with Jalen Hurts opening that that 
field a little bit. We see with the running quarterbacks that sometimes they just, you know, have a man taken on them or just are able to open the crease or seam a little bit for the running backs to scoot through. And that's that looks like what happened uh, for Miles Sanders with that big run against the uh, Saints this week. Yeah, like you said, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, saying the same for running pass catchers. I, I'm doing my best to avoid starting, certainly not starting any wide receivers and doing my best not to start Goddard. But if I have to, I have to. Yep. And on the other side here, uh, great news for Arizona is that Kyler Murray looked confident in his shoulder again, finally ran more. He saw 13 carries for 47 yards. So with that rushing production back in play, he is back in play as a top five QB option here uh, against the Eagles. DeAndre Hopkins still in that wide receiver one range. Uh, and like, uh, like the other side, it's hard to rely on anybody else other than Hopkins. Although Kirk would probably still be the best option if you had to pick one. I think Drake is probably an okay start as a back end running back too here, but yeah, in the passing game, it's really just the, uh, just Hopkins. Yeah. Sorry. Certainly the running backs, but uh, not the wide receivers. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. Chase. All right. Um, yeah, probably not. I don't don't think so. so either. Um, I, the only way that I could see Edmonds being a viable start is if you somehow think the Eagles are going to blow out the Cardinals and they're going to be yeah. catching up, but I don't see that happening. I actually have the Arizona Cardinals winning. I have Arizona taking this one at home as well. All right. On the next game here, real interesting Kansas city and new Orleans, two mm. top seeds. Well, new Orleans has dropped to number two, I believe now um, after that loss. So, but still two of the you know top six teams in the league. Should be interesting. Of course, the Chiefs struggled a little bit against the Dolphins, but still, at the end of the day, you can't stop Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. And then finally, it was good to see CEH get some work as a receiver. So he's back in that PPR RB3 range. Yeah, I'm worried, though. I, I, I'm actually going to do my best not to start him here against New Orleans. I know they allowed that big run to Miles Sanders. Um, I think coming out of college, I, I don't think anybody would disagree that Miles Sanders would have been taken. Well, I mean, a lot of people would have thought people would have uh, that uh, the Chiefs would have taken someone over than CEH, but they clearly got their guy. But I don't think many would argue that Miles Sanders is not a more skilled and talented running back overall than Clyde Edwards Alaire. He could put together a usable game here in New Orleans, but but I'm I'm not banking on it. Yeah, I mean it depends on your other options once again. Yeah. Um yeah. I think if I had to pick, I would certainly start uh, you know, we'll talk about him on the waiver section more, but we talked about the Niners running backs. I'd start Jeff Wilson against Dallas. Yeah. I would. I would too. All right. Uh, on the other side here, it doesn't sound too great for Drew Brees. It sounds like he's maybe going to start practicing this week, but more likely to return week 16, if anything. Um, and even that's still in question. So it, it does sound like we're probably going to get one more week of Taysom Hill. But of course, uh, check in later this week because that'll change a lot if Brees does play. But certainly plenty of points to go around here. Thomas and Kamara, of course, you're starting. But, you know, we're seeing Jared Cook get a little bit more involved as well as Emmanuel Sanders. I've got Cook as that touchdown dependent tight end too, and Sanders as a boomer bust wide receiver four who could see some PPR volume if the Saints do fall behind in this game in the second half. I don't like Sanders here against Kansas City. They're actually pretty good against wide receivers, which is not going to let me uh, bench Michael Thomas regardless of that fact. But uh, we've we've seen a couple weeks uh, the way to beat Kansas City is to attack him on the ground, and I think that's just what Taysom Hill's going to do. 
Yeah, and uh, all that being said, I just don't see many teams beating Kansas City, so I'm still going to take the Chiefs. Certainly not Taysom Hill. I'm taking the Chiefs. All right. Uh, Sunday night football, Cleveland at the New York Giants. Man, who would have expected back-to-back primetime games for the Browns two weeks in a row? 2020 is something else. It sure is. But, uh, you know, so far they're looking good. Uh, and I was reading that, you know, depending on what, what the Steelers do over the next few weeks, they're suffering from injuries. The Browns could still win the AFC North. Yeah, uh, they're only one game back right now if they, uh, if they beat uh, Baltimore right here. So uh, it's, it's certainly within their grasp. Yeah, and I mean, look at this. Look at their upcoming schedule versus that of Pittsburgh. So this week, of course, the Ravens—excuse um, me, not the Ravens—the Browns play the Giants. Then they get a game against the Jets, and then it all comes down to Week 17 against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and Pittsburgh, of course, has Cincy. Then a tough match in Indy, so they could draw even there. Yeah. Um, but then if uh, even if they don't, if Cleveland beats them in the uh, in the final game of the season to draw a tie, um, it goes to divisional uh, rankings. And then I don't remember. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh has lost a divisional matchup yet, have they? Uh, no, because they were perfect on the season for a while. So yeah. they would probably own that tiebreaker. Yeah, but they still, probably would. Yep. I mean, that Colts game in week 16 is going to be real, right. real interesting. Certainly. A lot on the line. Yeah, right now, I would probably put the ball in uh, ever so slightly in Indianapolis's court with Jonathan Taylor coming on the way he is. I agree, especially with the injuries to Bud Dupree. And then, you know, that defense isn't quite as fearsome as it was earlier in the year. And Pittsburgh has no run. Well, we'll talk about Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay. Um, so the Brown side here, we'll see. Uh, so far tonight, Chubb uh, doesn't have a ton of rushing yards, but he does have a touchdown already. Um, Kareem Hunt isn't been hasn't been very involved the last few weeks. Nothing's changed tonight, and with Austin Hooper out, we've seen a split between Harrison Bryant and David Njoku, two targets each so far. So I don't know that there's any uh, super relevant fantasy uh, information to be mined here. But I would still yeah, lean yeah. Harrison Bryant if I had to pick one. But you'd have to be real desperate. I would too, and I agree. Yeah, especially the Giants, uh, they're pretty tough on tight ends. They've only allowed yep. three touchdowns to tight ends all year. All right, on the Giants side here, it does sound like Daniel Jones should be fine to start this game. Uh, apparently, he was benched for performance issues, not his hamstring injury. So I guess good news, bad news for him. But uh, either way, you know, if I had to pick one, it's Sterling Shepard, but hard to trust anybody here. Really, it's Gallman and Evan Ingram that you want. Yeah, I, I don't really understand the, why coaching would say something like that about Daniel Jones, because I, I think his performance is intricately tied to his to his health status. He clearly had hamstring. If he did not, he would have been running the ball more. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what opens up the field for. Hello. Yeah, I said, uh huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what opens up the field more for this Giants offense when Daniel Jones can use his legs, scamper down the field for 80 yards like we've seen him do once or twice, which is sort of crazy to think of but hey that's part of their offense i do expect a little bit more of a return to form here with him healing up a little bit more which uh hopefully doesn't mean a ton for your playoff roster hopefully you're not trying to lean into uh too many giants receivers against cleveland here um this week uh wayne gallman was vultured by Deion lewis and not alfred morris but he's still running back too for me yeah really i mean you just want jones in there if you have gallman and ingram because it raises yeah. their values yes exactly 
All right, so, uh, give me the Browns. I'm going to take the Browns. I, I, I expect them to uh, to win out until that well, win out the, the next two weeks until uh, the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, I think it could be another low scoring close game here, though. Sure, sure. All right, so, uh, Monday night football then Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. We'll see about Deontay Johnson, Mr. Butterfingers. Uh, he got benched in that first half against the Bills for all those drops. It finally caught up to him, but. I mean, we don't know how it's going to impact his week 15 role, depending on your options. I would still start him, but as of right now, the safest Steelers wide receiver is probably Juju Smith-Schuster. He's the safest when it comes to PPR point production, probably, but, but I'm actually not worried about Deontay Johnson here. He he was benched, um, you know, coaching gave him what, what he was, what he was meant to have there. Uh, they made him, they put the responsibility back on him in the second half. He did not drop the football at all. So, so I think he probably earned his way back into uh, full play time in a game that Pittsburgh, even though it looks like they probably will win, this is a must win for Pittsburgh to keep that lead on Cleveland. Yeah. And, you know, in deep, deep leagues, James Washington's worth a look because even if yeah. Deontay Johnson gets that rollback, he does have a, a, a panache for uh, finding the end zone. He, uh, he certainly does. He did this past week. As for the running backs, I don't think any of them have a panache of anything finding the end zone or even rushing for more than 20 yards in a game. Uh I think Connor, he might scrap together a usable week here versus Cincinnati, but since he's not actually as bad on the ground as you think, as most would probably think. Um, so I, I, I don't see using any of the running backs here. Yeah. As with Atlanta, it's easier to throw on them than to run on uh, yeah. the Bengals here. So I think, you know, if I had to rank the Steelers wide receivers, it's Juju, then Johnson, then Claypool, although Claypool certainly has a high ceiling every week. Um, but as you said with the running backs, it's hard to trust any of them. If if I had to pick, obviously it's still Connor, but he's just you know a touchdown dependent flex again. I would start you know Jeff Wilson Jr. over him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would too. So it, totally. Uh, the lack of a uh, the lack of a running game has really hampered uh, Claypool's ability to make those downfield uh, catches. The the ability of the of the team to even have time to try and make those downfield throws. Sure, Big Ben hangs in the pocket, but he's getting old now. He's he's not taking hits. He's not taking risks like he used to. Yeah, James Conner or DeAndre Washington. James Conner or DeAndre, uh, assuming Gaskin is officially out, DeAndre Washington. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, James Conner or J.D. McKissick with Dwayne Haskins? It's McKissick still. Okay. Uh, what about Lynn Bowden? Gee, well. Whew. Can I say neither? Okay. Um, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, those guys? Both of them. Okay. Yeah, so not, yeah, not great not for the... Uh, well, yeah, I just mentioned uh, yep. those two because they're more widely available. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, with the Colts up, and then with the Colts up in Week 16, I don't think Connor's a must-roster. No, in fact, I would try to leave him out there and hope that uh, your opponent picks him up and then gets a nice hearty four points for his own roster against well, you that week. I will. I wouldn't drop Connor just to drop him, but it depends on would. the other options. I would. I, I would just because he could, you know, get a touchdown against Cincinnati here, and you, you don't oh, want great. that. So if... Then I'll have a seven-point game. <laughs> well, look. 
It depends on your options. I just think, you know, he's not a must hold by any means. Yeah, certainly not. All right. So on the Bengals side here, Boyd, Higgins, Green, they're all in consideration, but none of them is more than a desperation flex. Uh, I'd take Tyron Johnson over all those guys. I would too. Uh, AJ Green saw a resurgence this week. All that does for me is make me completely uneasy and unable to trust any of the wide receivers in the bunch. So you're right. Um, Boyd and Higgins are probably going to see, they'll probably see five to six targets at the very least, I guess. So you, you think. Yeah, yeah, for what, 30 can, yards? You, yeah, okay, fine. I'm all yeah. in on this uh, on this train. Okay, I, I better not lose because of you, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, man, I mean, I don't want to sound overconfident on a random guy like Tyron Johnson, but <sighs> I'm just looking at the matchups. I mean, the yep. Raiders have been awful. That, that's You're all right. it comes down to. You're right. It's here. This is it. Yeah, and, and I particularly don't love the Bengals wide receivers because we could see Joe Hayden back from concussion protocol as well. Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh makes for a uh, hard matchup when they're healthy. Yep, and it's you know it's always tough with divisional games, but I'm still taking the Steelers on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to put much of a uh, show up. All right, so that will complete our game previews. Los, you want to talk about some running backs with COVID? Certainly will. David Johnson, uh, he was a high-risk close contact. He has not contracted the virus as far as we know. Assuming that remains the case, the odds are he'll be back this weekend versus Indianapolis. But as with all these players, keep a close eye for the for the news. Keep your ears open. Miles Gaskin uh, contracted the virus and is likely to miss this week as well based on the league's hope. COVID protocols. Uh, Matt Burita is also on the COVID list. We do not have specifics on whether he's a high-risk close contact or if he's actually contracted the disease. Devonta Freeman, worth mentioning that even though Freeman's still on the IR with his hamstring injury, he's now also on the COVID list, which should cement Gallman as a fantasy running back true through the fantasy playoffs. And then finally, we have a wide receiver, DJ Moore, was diagnosed early last week with Carolina coming off the bye with COVID. So he could clear protocol in time for this week's game versus Green Bay, but it is not a guarantee that he'll be back. All right. Now let's talk about some injury news, non-COVID related. Um, Starting off with quarterback, we've got Alex Smith with that calf strain. He's questionable it sounds like a fairly minor injury but washington wanted to hold him out with the with the lead against san francisco not take any chances hopefully smith will be good to go in week 15 but monitor his practice status matthew stafford with bruised ribs he's questionable stafford's played through some pain tolerance injuries before but with detroit well out of contention they could choose to be cautious hold him out with nothing on the line here um, especially if they want to attract a, a good head coach uh, you know gm candidate here checks check for updates on stafford later this week he's still questionable Drew Brees with those fractured ribs on IR. He is eligible to return, but we'll see if he starts practicing this week. It's a crucial matchup against the Chiefs. Uh, the NFC South and the NFC uh, number one seed are both in question right now. But again, New Orleans has yet to designate Brees to practice and to, to return. So monitor these for updates. But right now, week 16 seems more likely. And even that's in question. And finally, Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain on IR. It does not sound like the Niners expect him back in the regular season. Um, and it was mentioned that, you know, Kyle Shanahan did not commit to Nick Mullins starting against Dallas this week. So in Superflex or two QB leagues, CJ Beathard is worth a look if you're desperate for quarterback help. 
and that'll bring us into some wide receivers. Of course, we know about Christian McCaffrey with the quad injury. Injuries just piling up on him this year. He's questionable. He had the injury during practice last week and did not practice at all for the remainder of the week. A lot's going to depend on how he feels and whether he can get a few practices in early this week as Carolina plays earlier than usual on Saturday. Keep an eye on his status closely. Ronald Jones with the pinky fifth finger fracture. He's probable for this week. He finished the game versus Minnesota and could play through this with a splint, but this could affect the amount of touches he gets and put him at greater risk of fumbling, lowering his fantasy floor and ceiling, even if active versus Atlanta this week. Antonio Gibson with the toe sprain. We're going to see how, how he's doing this week. He's questionable thus far based on whether he returns to individual drills or even limited practices. The odds of him suiting up aren't this aren't that great this week. They're about 50-50 at best for week 16, so stay tuned for updates on Gibson in the coming days. Joe Mixon, I and I are with the foot injury. Mixon is yet to practice, and with Cincinnati out of contention, there's really no reason for them to risk their franchise running back. Mixon can be dropped in all but the deepest redraft leagues. Alexander Madison with the appendectomy recovery. He's questionable. No one's starting Madison, but it's worth noting for fantasy GMs looking to handcuff Cook for the playoff run. Devontae Freeman, hamstring injury on the IR as well as on the COVID list. Uh, Freeman is eligible to return, so we'll see when and if they allow him to start practicing. So he's going to miss at least week 15, possibly week 16 as well. And finally, Rashad Penny with the ACL recovery. He's on the pup. Penny could be activated, but we'll see if and when that actually happens. Keep an eye on his status, but Penny does not need to be rostered yet outside of very deep legs. Yep, and sadly, quite a few wide receiver injuries. We've got Debo Samuel with that hamstring. He's out for the foreseeable future. Uh, it sounds like Samuel would only return if the Niners make the actual NFL playoffs. So he's done for the fantasy playoffs, and he can be dropped in all redraft formats here. Devontae Parker with a leg injury. He's questionable. Uh, we still don't know what exactly it is, but Parker left just before halftime against the Chiefs and never came back. We'll see if this is something that's going to hold him out for a week or two. Stay tuned on updates for him. Jakeem Grant, another Dolphins wide receiver. He has a hamstring injury, and it's looking doubtful. Uh, he's going to miss at least one week, if not more. Uh, hopefully, you won't rely on him in most shallower leagues, but uh, it's not looking great for him. Mike Williams with a back injury. He's questionable. He left pretty early in the game against Atlanta. We've seen him miss extended time before with back issues. So monitor this closely this week. Brandon cooks with the next strain. He's questionable. sounds like he was initially expected to play, but then he either received a second opinion pretty late in the week, or he suffered some kind of setback. So it'll be crucial for him to get back to practice this week. Julio Jones with a hamstring strain. He's questionable. There haven't been any updates on Julio. Hopefully he can start practicing by midweek. Of course, the Falcons are out of contention, but that's never stopped Julio from playing before. So if he's healthy, he probably will play. Kenny Galladay with a hip injury. He's questionable. Supposedly he suffered a setback a few weeks ago, but we just haven't heard anything positive on him. He's worth stashing if you have the roster space and you've got a stacked team, but he's far from a must hold depending on your needs. John Brown with a high ankle sprain. He's on IR. Sounds like he could start practicing this week, but there's no guarantee that he'd be ready to play. Uh, high ankle sprains generally require four to six weeks of recovery, and he probably doesn't need to be held in most leagues. Randall Cobb with a foot injury. We got an update that you know he isn't going to make it back for the regular season, so he's droppable in all redraft leagues. Preston Williams with a foot sprain. Uh, it sounds like he's eligible to return from IR, but again, another guy we haven't heard any updates on. Uh, he doesn't need to be rostered right now. 
And same with Julian Edelman, who's both on IR and on the COVID list. Uh, it sounds like he's still a long ways off from returning. And, of course, that finally brings us to tight ends. Uh, Mike Kosicki dislocated his shoulder this week. Uh, he's doubtful right now. These type of injuries generally result in multi-week absences. Wait for confirmation that it was indeed a dislocation, but once confirmed, Gasicki can be dropped in redraft leagues unless your leagues play through week 17. But even then, the, re- the odds of his return are slim. Noah Fant with an illness that he came down with uh, early in the game. He had to leave the game versus Carolina. Sounds just like the flu, not COVID. Uh, he's expected to play this week along with left tackle Garrett Bowles. Austin Hooper with a neck injury. He's questionable. Hooper is out tonight versus Baltimore, and we'll see if he's back in time for the Giants this coming week. Keep an eye on his status through the week. And George Kittle foot fracture on IR. The initial estimate for his return was eight weeks, though Kittle said he could be ready to go in six. That said, it's up to the San Fran medical staff, and there's little reason for them to risk their franchise tight end unless he's truly ready. Sounds like Kittle could start practicing this week, though, so there's a small chance Kittle could return to limited snaps in week 16 for the fantasy championships, though even though it's likely he'd be on a snap count. Even so, 50% of Kittle would be uh, worth starting as a tight end one if he does somehow manage to play in week 16. He's worth a stash if you have a very strong roster with no bench needs. Yeah, a lot of these waiver ads are going to come down to um, your roster needs, so tailor those to your needs. Don't just add, you know, if everyone has running backs, there's no reason to add that running back, right? Pick up a wide receiver that might help your, your opponent this week. Um, so again, you know, uh, starting with quarterbacks here, we've got Philip rivers, 17% roster in ESPN, 41% Yahoo rivers has been in a groove since the Colts by he's playing well outside of that tough game against the Ravens. He's now averaged 19.1 fantasy points per game in the six games since the bye. he's going to face a Houston secondary that he threw for 285 yards and two touchdowns against in their last matchup just two weeks ago. And then Houston, of course, just allowed 267 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions against Mitch Trubisky. Derek Carr, 49% ESPN, 47 in Yahoo. He's been inconsistent all year, but Carr's played fairly well overall. He should find some success against this Chargers defense that's allowed the six most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this season. Jalen Hurts, 9% ESPN, 17 in Yahoo. He stunned the league in that debut with an upset over the Saints. And even though Hurts didn't do much as a passer, his 106 rushing yards give him a solid floor and ceiling every week. Hurts should be able to pad his rushing numbers a little bit better with passing production this week against the Cardinals. Matthew Stafford, 55% ESPN, 58 in Yahoo. And Chase Daniel, not rostered at all. Depending on whether Stafford plays with that rib injury, Daniel has generally filled in admirably when called upon. Either quarterback could be a worthwhile streamer depending on your options against the Titans secondary. That's top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And finally, Nick Mullins, 3% in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo, and CJ Beathard, not rostered at all. If you're really desperate, whoever starts a quarterback for the Niners against Dallas this week is worth consideration. The Cowboys are top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And even though San Francisco could be run heavy here, all it takes is a touchdown from Brandon Ayuk or Raheem Mostert's yards after the catch ability to pad those stats for the quarterback. 
And Pad, they will. As for the running backs, Wayne Gallman, 80% rostered in ESPN, 84 in Yahoo. Gallman is the number seven overall running back in fantasy since week seven. He's rostered in most formats by now, but somehow he's still available in about 20% of leagues. He should be 100% rostered, if only to deny an opponent a possible running back one or two against you this week. Jeff Wilson Jr., 8% rostered in ESPN, 19% in Yahoo. Mostert is rostered in the vast majority of leagues, but Wilson has been splitting the carries nearly 50-50 with Mostert. He's a decent running back three option with high upside this week versus a Dallas defense that's given up the most rushing yards in the league this year by far. J.D. McKissick, 70% in ESPN, 70 in Yahoo. And Peyton Barber, 23 in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. Alex Smith, potentially missing time, could lower the floor and ceiling of both Washington running backs. But with Gibson potentially up through the fantasy playoffs, both are still viable starts. McKissick has a decent floor and ceiling in PPR as a primary pass catcher. And Barber is a touchdown-dependent running back, forcing about 50% of the carries and a few touches as a receiver near the goal line. Lynn Bowden, 1% Roth in ESPN and Yahoo, a hybrid player who's eligible as a running back and wide receiver in both ESPN and Yahoo formats. Bowden could have tremendous upside if Devontae Parker and Jakeem Grant are both out in week 15 or even week 16. He tied team league uh, he tied for the team lead in targets with nine versus Kansas City with Parker out the second half and Grant missing about one quarter. He's a flex with upside and he was involved on a trick play as a passer having played quarterback in college. The Ravens, run, uh, Gus Edwards, 18% in ESPN, 33 in Yahoo. And Mark Ingram dropped to 33% in ESPN, 40 in Yahoo. We'll see if anything changes tonight versus Cleveland, but Baltimore has employed a committee backfield all year. It's hard to rely on either Edwards or Ingram, but Jacksonville is top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs this year and just allowed 215 yards and two touchdowns to Derrick Henry the past week. If Baltimore blows them out, both could see significant work in the second half. Edwards is the preferred play and more widely available. DeAndre Washington, 20% rostered in ESPN, 24 in Yahoo. If both Gaskin and Burita are out again in Week 15, Washington should again see the bulk of the carries, having gotten 13 rushing attempts versus Kansas City, compared to just five combined for Patrick Laird and Lynn Bowden. Miami's rushing attack is nowhere near as good as Akers and the Rams, but we've seen the Patriots struggle to defend against the run in recent weeks with 70 rushing yards allowed to the Chargers running backs and 107 to the Arizona running backs in previous games. Damian Harris, 56% in ESPN and 75 in Yahoo. And Sony Michelle, 10% in ESPN, 13 in Yahoo. It's slim pickings at running back. If you don't have better options, expect New England to attack Miami on the ground rather than challenge their formidable secondary. We should see double-digit carries for both Harris and Michelle in what could be a very low-scoring affair here. Yeah, and just to add on uh, about the Baltimore running backs, a quick game update. Uh, so far, Gus Edwards has three yeah. carries for 19 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Mark Ingram has one carry for zero yards. So Edwards definitely preferred right now. Yeah, not, not much coming out of anywhere. Yeah, uh, it seems Mark Ingram has uh, certainly seen a decline in recent years. But yep. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 69% in ESPN, 78% Yahoo. Ayuk should be rostered in 100% of leagues, especially now that Debo Samuel is out for the next few weeks. Ayuk has averaged 17.8 PPR points and 10 targets per game when Samuel has been out. He could be a league-winning wide receiver one for the semifinals and championship week against Dallas and Arizona. If he's out there in your leagues, he needs to be rostered. Cole Beasley, 66% ESPN, 68 in Yahoo. And Gabriel Davis, 5% ESPN and 7% Yahoo. We've mentioned Beasley for weeks now, and he's still available in over 30% of leagues. 
He's got immense upside against the Broncos, who are going to be missing their top four cornerbacks due to injury and suspension. And Davis has also uh, been a high-ceiling play. He's logged 97, 97, and 83% of the snaps on offense since their bye with John Brown out. And Davis has scored a touchdown now in three straight games, could find the end zone again against this banged-up Denver secondary. Curtis Samuel, 69% ESPN, 59% Yahoo. It's fairly shocking how few leagues Samuel is rostered in. He registered a season-high 79% of the snaps with DJ Moore out against the Broncos and saw nine targets, second behind only Robbie Anderson. And he also added two carries for 22 yards, making him a wide receiver three with a decent floor and ceiling if Moore remains on the COVID list against Green Bay. Tim Patrick, 20% ESPN, 28 in Yahoo. Outside of that lone start from Kendall Hidden, the practice squad wide receiver, Patrick has been remarkably consistent since Denver's bye. From week six onward, he has quietly averaged 13.5 PPR points per game, and he's Drew Locke's favorite target, particularly in the red zone. Patrick is a serviceable flex option with upside. All the Jacksonville wide receivers, DJ Shark, of course, mostly rostered, 84% ESPN, 87 in Yahoo. Keelan Cole, 14% in ESPN, just 24 in Yahoo. And LaVisca Chenault, just 12% ESPN and 16 in Yahoo. Minshew has been declared the starter for week 15 after coming in for Mike Lennon, and that makes all of these guys more enticing fantasy plays. Cole and Chanel are both wide wide receiver fours uh, with some upside here if there are garbage time opportunities against Baltimore despite a tough matchup. Kiki QT, 34% in ESPN, 45% in Yahoo. And Chad Hansen, 3% in ESPN, 2 in Yahoo. Colts are a tough matchup, and it's unrealistic to expect another 100-yard game for QT. But uh, with the last uh, over the last two weeks, with Fuller suspended, Hansen has actually played more snaps and seen more targets. If Cooks remains out, then Hansen might actually be the better play against Indianapolis. But if Cooks returns, QT would likely have a higher floor. Kendrick Bourne, 2% ESPN, 3% Yahoo. With Debo Samuel missing basically the entire game against Washington, Bourne played on 89% of the offensive snaps and was second in targets behind only Brandon Ayuk. Bourne is a wide receiver fourth upside against a Dallas secondary that's top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receiver. We mentioned last week uh, about Michael Pittman, 38% ESPN, 53 in Yahoo. He's worth adding given his high upside, but remains boomer bust with risky target volume. T.Y. Hilton seems to have reclaimed his position as the top target for Rivers, and he should be the priority add if Hilton is out there in your leagues. But Pittman is worth a look against the Houston secondary that gives up the 12th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, including two touchdowns this past week, to Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. And finally, the man of the hour, the man of the week, Tyron Johnson, not rostered in any ESPN or Yahoo leagues. With Mike Williams missing most of the game against Atlanta, Johnson saw a season-high 74% of the snaps on offense and could see significant target share this week against the struggling Raiders secondary that's now allowed six touchdowns to wide receivers over their last three games. And there are certainly a couple options left at tight end for us now. Logan Thomas, 43% rostered in ESPN, 57 in Yahoo. Thomas has become the clear number two receiving option for Washington behind Terry McLaurin and has a relatively safe weekly floor due to target volume, whether it's Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins under center this week. He's still rostered in shockingly low percent of leagues. Cole Komet. 
4% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo. We mentioned on last week's show that there seemed to have been a changing in the guard in Chicago with Jimmy Graham taking a backseat to the rookie Comet, who's now played 70, 79, 78, and 85% of the offensive snaps over the past four weeks. And while Graham scored the touchdown versus Kansas City, Comet was second in targets, only behind Allen Robinson with seven, a 21% target share. Irv Smith Jr., 4% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo, identical to uh, Komet. If Kyle Rudolph remains out this week, Smith could continue to play a larger role as a receiver, though his 35% snap share versus Tampa in the past week still makes him a risky start. Jordan Reed, 14% in ESPN, 24 in Yahoo, and Ross Dwelly, uh, essentially not rostered. Sp- uh, Reed is still splitting time with Ross Dwelly, but with Debo Samuel likely out, both tight ends could see more involvement in the passing game, which gives them some upside versus a vulnerable Dallas defense. Plus, if C.J. Beathard gets the start, the last time we saw him playing significant snaps for Philly in Week 4, George Kittle saw 15 targets in that game, with most of them coming from Beathard. Tyler Higby, 44% roster in ESPN, 48 in Yahoo, and Gerald Everett, 4% in ESPN, and 4% in Yahoo. It's hard to trust either Rams tight end with two splitting time, but if you're desperate in deeper leagues, the Jets allow the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, so both are decent dart throws for a long catch or a touchdown. And finally, at defense, we got the Tampa Bay defense, 59% ESPN, 53 in Yahoo. We mentioned last week that the Buccaneers have an incredible fantasy playoff schedule. They faced the Vikings this past week, Atlanta this week, and Detroit in Week 16. They're the top priority at a defense if you didn't already stash them last week. And they just sacked Kirk Cousins six times and now get a Falcons team that threw three interceptions against the Chargers and could be without Julio Jones for another week. Buffalo defense, 51% ESPN, 59 in Yahoo. The Bills have been inconsistent on defense, but the Broncos have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing defenses this year, and they've turned the ball over at least once in every single game. The Minnesota defense, 37% ESPN, 46 in Yahoo. The Vikings have likewise been inconsistent, but Chicago has allowed eight sacks and four turnovers since Trubisky got the start after their bye. Minnesota should be able to get to Trubisky a few times behind the line of scrimmage on Sunday. And finally, Green Bay, 57% ESPN and Yahoo. This would be a much worse matchup if McCaffrey's back this week with the Packers really struggling to contain the run. But even so, Carolina's offensive line has been mediocre and should allow some sacks to Zadarius Smith and company. That's going to wrap it up for the waiver wire. Uh, Again, some hidden gems here that could be better than some big name running backs and wide receivers. You know, it's not crazy. Do what you got to do to win in the playoffs, right, Los? I completely agree. Uh, I'm just glad that there's options out there. Yeah, and uh, again, a lot of these waiver ads are going to be very roster dependent, very matchup dependent. Uh, It's a week to week game. And uh, don't worry too much about week 16 until you've won in week 15. So with these, uh, yeah, with these specific decisions in mind, if you guys have questions regarding your league, your roster needs, uh, we're happy to reply, but it's hard to do that and be specific unless you find us on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. Best of luck to everybody who's made it to the semifinals. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. 
global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is freight rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because freight rail works.